Well, let me welcome back Kevin Luco here to Systematically Wild. And Kevin, a brand new year, and uh, we're hoping for good things going on in the Minnesota Wild organization for this new year. If the Wild organization, um, if their New Year's resolution was good health, it's not happening so far. <laughs> I yeah, you were talking. If, to me. if you look at the story, I would say up and down the rosters of as a trickle down effect. You know, Minnesota's been ravaged with injuries, which affects Iowa Wild, and then eventually affects Iowa Heartlanders. So. But a lot of those injuries happened before the first of the year, so maybe, you know, maybe this will be, as we flip the calendar to 2024, maybe we'll start seeing some better health. You were talking to me about before the show, and, and we'll discuss this in more detail later on, but a, a, a tragic injury for the club on Saturday in Winnipeg, and we're going to get to learn what the how much grit this team has when their superstar is going to be out for a little while. Yeah, you know, it's we we saw it last year where, ironically enough, against Winnipeg, Kaprizov was hurt, and of course, it was on a play that had no penalty called on it. But you saw everybody else step up, and they did very well in his absence. And I think the difference being that it, that was the lone big injury. You know, there's um three or four big ones for Minnesota right now. So it's going to have to be everybody else stepping up and doing something different and trying to minimize the impact of the absences of the guys that are not in the lineup. Well, Kevin, a one and two week for the team. Um, beat Detroit on Wednesday night. We'll go through that game here in just a minute. Then lose in Winnipeg, not only losing the contest, but losing Kaprizov as well return home on Sunday where they drop a 3-2 to two game to the Jets. And I wonder, as you watched that game on Sunday, um, do you feel like kind of the loss of Kaprizov took a little bit of win? You know, the sales got a little bit depleted, I, I thought, in that Sunday game. And maybe, you know, they just didn't get their best performance because you're still trying to deal with the loss of your, your star guy. I thought they played well. I thought the effort was there and the intensity was obviously there because of them wanting to avenge the injury to their star. But it's just some little mistakes that cost them in the long run against a team like Winnipeg who's playing so well right now you can't afford to make those little mistakes. Well, let's begin with Detroit last Wednesday, Kevin. A 6-3 to three victory. Uh, a game that it was a very tight contest through two periods, Minnesota leading two to one, then literally all hell broke loose in the third period. Uh, Detroit ties the game on a Debrinkat goal, his 16th of the season, 243 in the period. Then Minnesota responds with three tallies, Ryan Hartman, Mike Foligno, and Johansson each getting their goals to make it a three-goal advantage of the team. Detroit cuts it to a two-goal game before Kaprizov closes out the scoring with his 13th of the year. Uh, man, uh, what happened in that third period all of a sudden turned the tide of that game? First of all, I got to call you out for being an old man and calling Marcus Foligno by his dad's name. But Oh, did I say that? Oh, you're right. Yeah, you're right. My bad. Thank you. <clears throat> I just feel like, you know, it's the first game back after the Christmas break, and sometimes you're not completely inv invested in the game. And, you know, Detroit was at a pretty big disadvantage because because of the holiday break 
they couldn't fly to Minnesota until the day of the game. So that's uh, one thing you got to work around there. And you've got to wonder if the travel that travel the day just took something out of Detroit and and for Minnesota, and he just kind of woke up after the DeBrinket goal to tie the game and just realized, hey, this is a team where that's vulnerable right now. And they have been vulnerable as the Wings have been in a rut, even with the addition of Patrick Kane. Well, overall, if you look at this performance, uh, you know, you got goals across the board, six different goal scorers, which I think is always a, a, a thing that you look at and go, yep, you know, actually you did have two goals from Johansson, I'm sorry. But five different goal scorers lets you know, you know, anybody can contribute in a contest like that. Um, and I think when you're when you lose Kaprizov now, knowing that there are other guys that can step up and score for you when you need some goals, has to make this team feel a little bit more confident that they can maybe weather the storm during this time. You know, undoubtedly the, there is talent there. You know, it's not a one-man team, man. Johansson, they've been waiting for him all year to get going, and now he's finally starting to get on track. So it's going to be guys like Johansson and Boldy and Erickson Attic and Freddie Gaudreau that are going to have to all chip in a little more than they usually do. Matt Hartman has been on fire lately. Can't forget about him. Absolutely. I mean, he, he had a crazy that week Matt last Hartman? week. Oh, and yeah, my he God. Did. It should be Ryan Hartman. See, I don't feel yeah, bad now. I, I, keep, I keep thinking of the baseball guy, or Matt Hartman, who was pitched in the American Association. So, yes, Ryan Hartman. Gustafson with 25 saves. He continues to get into a rhythm now for this club. And, you know, you got to figure he's going to get three out of every four games to start for right now because he's just playing very well. And, and the team well, I, I, no, I he's not. He's guy. Oh, is he hurt now? Yeah, well, fast forward to Saturday's game that he left with an injury, and, and he has been put on injured reserve. Okay, well, then we're I correct that, that statement then. All right. Well, let's jump to Saturday night's game, a complete catastrophe on many levels. Uh, Winnipeg scores two goals in the first period. Um, Minnesota actually takes a 3 nothing lead before Hartman scores. Ryan Hartman is just on fire right now, Kevin. You got, you got this crazy. Um, he gets his 11th season, goal of the season on the power play to cut the deficit to two. Then Matt Boldy scores 20 seconds into the third period, looking like this is going to be a game that the team can get themselves back into. But um, Winnipeg seals the victory with a goal 226 later to earn the 4-2 to victory. Uh, a tough loss on every level here. It just goes back to what plagued the Wild early in the year. The, you know, the bad starts in the first period. They just never could bounce all the way back from that three-goal deficit. Um, it's definitely not a blueprint for success. But, you know, the thing is they they never gave up. You know, they didn't roll over. They did try to get back into it and almost tied it, but it just wasn't meant to be. Hartman, Kevin, if you, if you look at him here, uh, did not score on Sunday. We'll talk about that here in, in just a moment. But, man, he was on a run of four straight games with a goal. Um, just they, We've been talking about somebody stepping up here and really being that extra attacker that they could count on to come up with goals. And, boy, he is just on fire right now. Almost had his fifth game in a row with a goal, but uh, there was just a skate just barely offsides on a goal that he scored against Winnipeg. 
So it was close. Uh, Gustafson gives up three goals on 22 shots. He was playing quite well until he gets hurt. Uh, Marc-Andre Fleury comes in and stops nine of the ten shots he faced. And as Kevin's talking to us here, um, he'll he'll be the guy going forward. They they did bring up uh, Jesper Volstead from uh, Des Moines, which we'll talk about here in a moment. Um, well, actually, but, they um, brought up they brought up Zane McIntyre. I thought Volstead was out. Yes, he is, and he was still out. So that was the reason why they did not bring up Volstead at the at this gotcha. time. Gotcha. Okay. Okay, gotcha. Okay. But it so, sounds like he's okay. nearing the return. I got to imagine if he is ready, you got to think they're going to give him maybe a game or two in Iowa to work out any kinks that he has just to make sure he's ready. But we could see it where if Gustafson is out for a while, we could see this could be the time for Falstead to make his NHL debut and see what they got. Yeah, he's going to get a shot. Because what, what's the plan of Gustafson? How long are they suspecting he'll be out at this point? They said, I think, at least two weeks. He was put on injured reserve, so you got to miss a certain amount of time if you're on there. So, you know, as we were saying, it'll be a flurry's net for a while. But imagine when Volstead's ready, they're going to give him the call and – you know, this could be the time to see what he has on the NHL level. If he's going to be ready for next year, or if there's going to be a little season, more seasoning required. You go by a starting stat for Iowa, you'd think he's ready to go. But you know, it's a different game's just a wee bit faster at the NHL level. You know, the one thing I, I wonder too, Kevin, is that Mark Andre Fleury has not really played a lot this season. Obviously, a guy with a Hall of Fame career, it's proven that he can play 65 games in a season without any problem. But, you know, he's a little older guy right now and hasn't played a lot this season. Can they count on him to play three games in four, you know, four in a week or, or something, or do they have to split time with him right now? I think he's a, you know, he takes a good care of himself where, and he's competitive enough where, I think if he wanted, if they let him, I think he'd play every night. Fortunately, with the schedule coming up, there's not much going on for back to back, so it does time out really well where he can likely play every game and then have that day off in between. Heading to Sunday's game, Kevin, uh, Felino scores his sixth goal of the season to give the team a lead. Gaudreau adds his third goal of the season to give uh, Minnesota another one-goal lead in this contest. But Winnipeg refused to go away. They tie the score 452 into the third, get the game winner a couple of minutes later. A solid performance by Flurry. He played very well in this contest. Unfortunately, you know, two goals in the third period cost him. But 26 saves and 29 shots against them. Um, a, a tough loss. A gutsy performance when you just lost a couple of your key players out there. But Nobody gives points for gutsy performances, I guess. No, I mean, game number 1,000 for sure, you would like to have seen him get a win, but sometimes the movie script doesn't play out. Thought they had a good effort, but, you know, the, the goals against one was, first one was just on a really bad line change in the second period. I'm watching the game on TV, and it was like Winnipeg had a, like a four on two, and I'm like, where in the heck is everybody? 
And it was just a real ill-timed line change that cost Wild there. Second one, Winnipeg scores on a power play to tie the game. And then with the delayed penalty coming up, Winnipeg then gets what proves to be the game-winning goal. So, you know, it's just, like I said, it's just little things right now that, and it was a story earlier in the year, and it popped up over the weekend. The effort is there. They're playing decent hockey, but it's just, just the little things that are costing them. Currently right now, as Kevin and I are speaking, 16, 15, and 4, 36 points in seventh place in the Central Division right now. The club is taking on Calgary, as Kevin and I are talking, 2-1 to one Calgary right now um, in that game, I think in the second period right now. Let me see. I'm third. Got that part of it. See. And we're in the third right now. Okay, yeah, 7.07 left in the third. Um, not a... Uh, not a very easy week for this club either. They have Tampa Bay coming to town on Thursday. Not the same whitening we have seen in previous years, but still a lot of talent there. Then Columbus on Saturday in Columbus. Uh, what are we looking for out of this week, Kevin? Well, you know, it's weird because Minnesota just has this spell on Tampa Bay when they come to Minnesota. I don't remember how many years in a row it's been, but... Tampa Bay has not won in Minnesota in quite a few years. Granted, they only make the one trip here every year, but the Wild have had some kind of odd mastery over the Lightning, and Columbus has been a spotty, so, you know. But Minnesota, just where the roster is right now, they've just they got to put up a nearly flawless game if they're going to come out with points easily. They're not going to score a ton of goals. And you hope with um, if the guys are playing the right way, they're not going to give up a bunch, so they'll be low-scoring games. But that's going to have to be the formula right now for this team. Well, let's drop down to the AHL level. And a couple of weeks ago, uh, Iowa went to Colorado and came away with a couple of victories. And the Eagles came to Des Moines this past week and returned the favor as they sweep both those games. Uh, Zane McIntyre got to start on Thursday one of taking the loss. Then we got to see Hunter Jones return. Did not look particularly great in that game. I'm, I'm not faulting him for everything that went out there, but struggled a little bit in that contest. But drop both those games in a division where you can't afford to lose any games right now by the way this division is going. And so pretty tough week for the Iowa Wild. I felt bad for Jones. I thought he got off to a good start, but, you know, the, the shots on goal just added up on him. He faced a... Career high, I don't know if that's a career high for him or just with Iowa. But he ended up facing, I believe, 48. Was that 48 shots? Yeah, I believe it was 48 shots in that game, and it was just it was ridiculous. 50, and, you know, yeah, he hasn't played a ton of hockey, so that's got to be tough to come in like that and um, you know you haven't played a ton and all of a sudden you're getting peppered with 48 shots yeah 54 overall he saved 48 in the contest that's just a that i mean i'm so i'm sorry 54 oh, shots saved, I don't, I don't, yeah yeah I, I don't care what level you're at 54 shots is ridiculous <laughs> i mean where's the defense on that uh, there's really no excuse for that as far as i'm concerned that, that's just crazy um so Guy, again, I didn't really fault him. A couple of goals I thought he could have done a little, you know, had a better chance on. But 54 shots is pretty ridiculous, and you get pretty tired after a little while on that. 
Well, we'll start, we'll start with Thursday, Kevin. So, one nothing Colorado as they score 8.25 into the contest, and Caden Bankier scores twice in this game, including a power play goal to give Iowa the lead. Uh, but this contest turned when with the Wild on the power play early in the second period, and uh, Colorado sends Pavel out on a, a breakaway opportunity. He's dragged down, earning the penalty shot on the shorthanded situation. He scores on that, and it just Iowa just did not look that good after that. They struggled to get shots on that, finishing with seven in the second and four in the third. Colorado really stepped up their pace. They get two goals in the third period to wind up coming away with the victory. Tough loss for Zane McIntyre, Kevin, as he stops 32 of 36 shots. But, you know, I mean, even if you look at those numbers, uh, 28 shots in the AHL over the final two periods is a lot. And it's not surprising that they lose this game. Yeah, I thought, I thought McIntyre played pretty well, so probably deserved a better feat. Yes, I agree with you. On Saturday, Hunter Jones gets the start. Once again, Colorado jumps out to a one-goal lead. Uh, Carson Lambeau scores his second goal of the season to tie the game early in the second period. Uh, Colorado responds with two more goals before Nick Patan scores his 10th goal of the season on the power play to make it a 3-2 to two game, but it is all Eagles in the final period as they score three times. Hunter Jones faced 18 shots in the first, 19 in the second, 17 in the third, that's a lot of shots. I mean, I'm just looking at that. I'm still shaking my head at that number. Nick Patan with the goal and an assist in the game, Kevin, and you have an 0 and 2 week for the Iowa Wild. You know, I thought you hit upon it. You know the, and you know we talked about this going into the season that the blue line was going to be a work in progress, and it and it it still is right now. You know, Andy Walensky came in and. That's a veteran presence, but for the most part, it's a very young defensive core, and there's going to be nights like that where they're not going to get guys cleared out, and they're going to, and the goalie's going to have to face a lot of shots and a lot of high-danger shots. You look at the stats from Saturday night, Walensky was a minus two, David Spachek minus two, Ryan O'Rourke minus three. Kyle Masters somehow got a... a, a, a Positive one, but um, Damon Hunt with the uh, minus one, and Carson Lambles had a plus one rating somehow. So, but it's just, I think it speaks a lot to you, your guys on the blue line, and you know, a, a bit to the forwards coming back and helping out too. But you know, you're just not going to win when you're making your goalie face 54 shots. Yes, especially against a team like Colorado too, Kevin. I mean, they're not having as good a season as we have seen in years past team is currently in seventh place right now. And they, but there's a lot of talent within that Colorado organization. And so, you know, you're going to have a pretty quality AHL team down there and, and you're giving up 54 shots. They're going to score on you. I mean, a bunch of those times. I mean, that's just, that's asking too much of your goaltender. I don't care who that is in that. Uh, that's just, that's just a little bit over the top. So, not, not, you know, not looking to be down on the coaching staff in any way. I, I'm sure there was a scheme out there that unfortunately did not wind up working against Colorado. And you go back to the drawing board looking to do something to try to improve your fortunes this week. And now with uh, the goaltending situation in Minnesota, Peyton Jones has been summoned from the Heartlanders up to 
Iowa Wilds, so it'll be interesting to see how the goaltending gets handled with um, at the AHL level. If we'll see maybe Hunter Jones can start getting some consistent work so that the organization can see what they are working with. We're going to be talking here a moment too, Kevin, about how this is going to affect the Iowa Hardlanders, who now are going to be turned into their third string goalie to be the guy uh, for a while here. So we'll come back to that here in just a moment, though. Uh, Grand Rapids comes to town, Kevin, on Friday and Saturday. Currently, as we are talking right now, the Iowa Wild in fifth place in their division now, two points behind both Grand Rapids and Rockford. So a chance with Grand Rapids coming to town to get a little, make a little headway on that. Um, but So what are you looking for out of the Wild against these two, in these two big games against Grand Rapids? It's going to be tough because, you know, you look at the lineup that Iowa trotted out on Saturday night. Well, Nick Batan's been summoned to the big club. Sammy Walker, who was called up today to the big club, is, is and is playing for them. And you've still got um, a ton of guys out with injuries. It's going to be tough for them to score goals. It's going to, if they're going to win, it's going to have to be in a low-scoring game. Absolutely. You're going to have to hope those goaltenders come up with some big opportunities for you there. So, um, you know, one thing to kind of watch for this team too, Kevin, that I, I I think is part of the problem that they're having defensively right now. I mean, they're by far last in this division in terms of number of penalty minutes. So if you want to look at it the other way, they've committed the most penalty minutes. So they're first in the number of penalty minutes, if you want to say that way. I think might be first in the AHL, if you look at it here, I'm just going to check to make sure my stat is right. So second overall uh, in penalty minutes. Um, but as I kind of look at that, I mean, you look at the types of penalties are taken. A lot of slashing calls, a lot of interference, a lot of tripping, a lot of holding kind of things. Things you take when you're trying to slow down an opponent and they're just a little too fast for you. Okay, you're, you're not in the best position. You're not able to cut a guy's angle down as he's moving on the net, so you wind up dragging him down or holding a guy or interfering as he's moving through the zone because you're trying to make some play to slow an opponent down. And, and I think that's just a testament to a young team that doesn't have enough experience to be able to know how to play AHL hockey right at this particular point. And, and I think until you really get to that point, you're going to see a lot of penalties. And right now, the, you know, killing off penalties, this team has been pretty bad. So um, I think until that situation fixes itself, that this team could be in a bit of trouble for a while. I think that you're going to, you know, it's tough at the AHL level because you want to win, obviously. That's why we, we play a sport. But do we also want to see guys developing? You know, I don't think you want to play a system in which you're going to be playing, a, you know, playing a, for to try to win a game one nothing, two to one. You know, you want to see these guys develop as players, as athletes, and work on their skills. But you know, I'm looking at the top ten scorers in the team right now. Nick Batan up with Minnesota. Jake Lucchini, Minnesota. Sammy Walker, Minnesota. Jujar Kara injured. Adam Beckman injured. Stephen Fogarty, the sixth the sixth leading scorer with only 14 points in 27 games. He is your top current skating 
three-point getter. Andy Walensky, follows David Hunt, Vinny Letary, who's up with Minnesota, is number nine, though he only played 10 games with Iowa. So, like I said, it's going to be, it's going to take some work to, for this team to score goals. So, they're, if they're going to win, it's have to be low scoring. I will say, though, Caden Bank here, six points in nine games, that's been a really good start for him in his pro career. So, you know, maybe it's going to be a time for a guy like him to shine. And if you want to look at a really positive note there, six of your top ten scorers on the team are up at the up at the top level now. So you know you're developing fairly well. Now, injuries is playing a big part in that, but you know that you have some talent down there that you could turn to to help fill the gap for you and hopefully keep you moving along at the big club um, while the, you're recovering from some injuries. So, you know, I, I feel like there's, there's a silver lining out of that, that I want to say. Maybe I'm being too positive, Kevin. But I think I'm yeah, not, I mean so. it's not an ideal situation, but you know it, it also helps. They're seeing what these guys can do at the NHL level, and, and you know when they come back to the age level, maybe they're going to be, you know, just on a different gear than they were before they left. Absolutely. Well, let's drop down to the Iowa Heartlanders, who lose all three games in Rapid City, and as I mentioned last week, it's a very difficult place to play, especially for your first time going there. Rapid City is a, a, just a, a bunch of gnats out there doing everything they can to annoy you, and that's what they did in this game. Uh, scoring two goals in the first period on Friday, um, Mark Duarte gets his sixth goal of the season halfway through the second period, a little over halfway through the second period, to make it 3 nothing. Hunter Lelig, I believe is the way that's said, um, gets his first goal of the season to cut it. Oh, hey, I got it right. Uh, for his <laughs> his first goal, his first goal in a Iowa Heartlander uniform to uh, uh, cut the deficit to two. Rapid City gets a shorthanded goal early in the third to wind up restoring the two goal three goal advantage. Pavel Novak then scores 11:57 into the third to make it a four to two game. But Iowa cannot get any closer in this contest. Lelig finishes with a goal and assist. So does Novak, as both get a goal and an assist in the game. Peyton Jones played pretty well. 25 saves and 29 shots against him. Uh, 4-2 to loss on opening night there in Rapid City there, Kevin. Yeah, you know, that's just a, that's a tough road trip and just a tough place for teams to play. You know, uh, Rapid City's got a pretty decent following. So, you know, you're going you're gonna to be playing in a hard atmosphere to try to get two points. On Saturday, a, a very wild start to this contest. Uh, Iowa opens up with two goals in the span of about, what, 26 seconds. Novak scores his fifth goal of the season. Um, 23, 26 seconds later, I'm sorry, Chris Lip, I think is where that is said, scores his second of the year to, to make it 2 nothing. But uh, Rapid City responds with three goals in the span of a little less than three minutes. Logan Nelson scores twice. Alex Aliardi gets another shorthanded goal for this team. And then all of a sudden, scoring was shut down, not from a lack of offensive opportunity. Okay. Iowa had 14 shots in the first, 14 in the second, 11 in the third, easily outshooting Rapid City 39-23. But you got to tip your cap to Matt Radomski, who winds up saving 39 of 36. 37 of 39 shots. Jones played well again, saving 20 of 23. But goaltending was definitely the difference in this game, and, and Rapid City pulls out the 3-2 victory. Yeah, it was just another tough loss on the road for the for the Heartlanders. 
On Sunday, Max Johnson scores 548 into the contest to make it one nothing Iowa. Brett Gravel scores a power play goal 18 seconds into the second, tied at one through the first two periods. Casey Dornbach scores a power play goal to put Iowa back on top, but it is Brandon Yamans who scores his third goal of the season, 331 into the uh, third. This game looks like it's headed to overtime, tied at two, but with 46 seconds left in the game, Kelty Jerry Leon scores his seventh of the year uh, to give Rapid City another 3-2 to two victory. Connor Murphy with 34 saves in this. Uh, Trent DeRitter scores, saves 39 of 42 shots. Rapid City was a little bit better in this game, wound up coming out with the victory, but tough way to lose that final game of the weekend there, Kevin. Yeah, it was um, it was a heartbreaker. I was actually watching that one on Facebook Live on Sunday, and you're hoping they were going to be able to get to overtime, but it just was not meant to be. Well, Kevin, we talked about you can't do anything, have a bad week or two in this division right now, and uh, two tough weeks being swept by the walleye two weekends ago and then swept by Rapid City last weekend drops this club into last place uh, in the Central Division. Just six points to be behind Fort Wayne. It will come to town this week for two games. Um, so there's an opportunity to to do some damage again here. Or excuse me, I'm traveling to Fort Wayne. I'm sorry, on, on Saturday and Sunday. So you can still do some damage here against Fort Wayne, a team that's had some success against this season. So um, no reason to hang your head out now. You can, you're can you back in your division, ready to go and battle to try to get back in a playoff spot. It was a pretty rough December for the Heartlanders. You know, as I was listening to the game on Sunday, David Fine pointed out that they only won three games the entire month. So maybe with the calendar flipped over to January, it'll be a fresh start and the Heartlanders can get going. But they will have to be doing it without Brett Budgel and Louis Boudin, who have both been called up to the Iowa Wild, the the trickle-down effect with the guys having to go up to Minnesota. Yeah, this is going to be a very tough stretch for this entire organization because of injuries. And um, we're going to, I mean, I, I hate to use a term, a cliche like, you know, how much grit these guys have or whatever. But, I mean, we're going to have to see what, what some guys who are playing, you know, third line or four, even fourth line minutes on the on the forwards, uh, both in, in Des Moines and uh, and in, Coralville are really going to have to step up right now because they they're going to need scoring punch out here. And if you can't go to Fort Wayne thinking you're going to win one nothing, you know you're going to have to win some four to three games. And and so, especially with both your goaltenders gone now, so uh, this gonna, it's going to be a crazy couple of weeks here, I think, for this entire organization. Well, you know these guys are professionals, and every guy in the team. <laughs> At one point in their hockey career, were, were the man on their team. So, you know, it's nothing that these guys haven't had to deal with before. So, but yes, you're right. It's going to be a test to see if they can right the ship before they end up getting buried too far into the cellar where they can't make a playoff run. You know what I want to say? I love about this Heartlanders team is that last year they made. A lot of changes as about the last two months of the season were were winding down, and a lot of guys that you didn't really hear very much about um, started to take their game to another level in those final couple months. It wasn't just new acquisitions they were making, but were some guys who 
had been around for two or three months and just hadn't really had an opportunity or something, we're being given that opportunity and we're playing quite well. So I think that this organization has found a way to get those, you know, guys playing for maybe not a major Division One college program or maybe a Division Two program that, that they're finding a guy and, and turning him into a quality addition to the club. So coaching staff's doing a good job of finding those kind of guys, and I think the Heartlanders still have a chance to do something pretty special even in these tough two weeks. You have to wonder at some point, do you try to swing a deal, though, for a guy that's got more ECHL games under their in the resume that could be more of an impact player or maybe there's just maybe that's just not the mentality of the organization maybe they're just more into the developing the younger players instead of getting the ECHL lifers so to speak well the interesting thing about that Kevin is that there are a few teams that are having traditionally have been very good Utah and Allen in particular um, that are really struggling early on. And it would be surprising to see those clubs looking to make a deal to improve in areas. Wichita's defense is terrible right now. They could use some some defensive help as well. So maybe you wind up getting a score from one of those clubs who's looking to try to get a piece to help turn their season around as well. And that could really help Iowa if they were looking to make a deal right now. So there's plenty of opportunity to go out there and get a player if they're looking to try to improve improve themselves right now. So hopefully that will happen. I would love that. I saw last uh, week, and this is a testament to how the ECHL can get you back, get you into the NHL. There's a goaltending matchup in the San Jose Edmonton game consisting of two former Wichita Thunder goalies with. Stuart Skinner and Magnus Krona. It didn't turn out well for Krona, but, you know, just the fact that he was up in the NHL and the former Wichita Thunder was down at the other end of the ice with Stuart Skinner. Absolutely. Stuart Skinner trying to be the number one guy there in Edmonton still. Um, I I, I don't know. Is he technically the number one guy there for them this year? I think he's been with with Jack Campbell's struggles. Campbell is... um, playing down in the AHL level right now. So I think they mostly have been riding Skinner. Okay, well, so former Wichita Thunder guy. Stuart Skinner, a good guy, by the way. I got a chance to talk to him on a few occasions. I really liked him. So I'm glad he's he's up there doing this thing. Well, Kevin, uh, man, tough weeks ahead maybe. But we're going we're gonna to be positive. So do we have a, a good story to enlighten the fans out there and make them believe things are going to go better for – the organization heading forward? Well, you know, the thing I compared this to as all the, and, you know, we didn't mention with Minnesota, Marcus Foligno didn't skate for them tonight, or he was a game-time decision, but I'm guessing he didn't skate. They don't know if they went with um, an extra, well, I think maybe that's where Sammy Walker slid in. But I can remember... It was the late 80s, and the Minnesota North Stars, Lou Nanny was finally able to coax Herb Brooks into coaching the North Stars. And that season brought on one of the biggest rash of injuries a professional sports team has ever faced. Minnesota just had a horrible season. And you had to feel bad for Herb Brooks because that ended up being his only season coaching the North Stars. But 
that season also gave Minnesota the, the number one draft pick next year, which they parlayed into bringing in Mike Madonna. So I'm not saying that's going to happen with the Wild, but, you know, just all these injuries all happening at once to major players just kind of reminded me of that season in the 1987-88 season with the North Stars. Well, that would be nice if history repeated itself, but uh, they're going to have to be really, really, really bad to surpass San Jose in, in their quest to have the number one pick for next year. But you never know. Yeah, it, yeah. it involves dropping things. Yeah, San Jose seems pretty determined. And, you know, talking about the draft, you know, we got a lot of guys that are going to be getting drafted um, or have been drafted playing in the World Juniors right now. And we've got – in a in a shocker, um, Canada lost in the quarterfinals today. Uh, I don't remember the last time something like that has happened. You know, the oh, juniors are all the way over in Sweden. There was still like a pretty large contingent of Canada fans in the. It was a pretty fluky goal, scored in like the last twenty seconds, bounced off the leg of a Canadian player, past the goalie, but, you know. Canada let themselves be in that position. Type of, I don't know, they call them Czechia now. It used to be Czechoslovakia. But I think you're just Czech. So, yeah. So, yes, Canada has been eliminated in the quarterfinals. USA is humming right along, and we'll see what happens in the next few days or whether the U.S. can bring home gold again. Fantastic. Uh, before we close out, Minnesota did lose tonight, three to one. Uh, the one goal, Patan and Rossi get assists on. So, Iowa Wild guys making their contributions here tonight. And Flurry with 30 saves on 32 shots. Calgary had the late empty net goal in the game. So, um, tough start to the week over there, Kevin. But uh, one more home game, Tampa Bay. You said that they've been pretty well against at home over the years. Yeah. So hopefully the mojo continues. Absolutely. Kevin, thanks for joining me. My pleasure.